0: Along with Jeremy Poplin, I am Colby Daniels. This is the Blitz and streaming on the Blitz 1170 app. And we say hello to Dusty Dvorak joining us via the Blitz hotline. Dusty, happy Monday. Hope you had a great weekend. What is happening, my friend?
1: A little bit of everything. I don't know if you knew this or not, but there's been some movement in the college football world that's taken up a lot of our uh, attention. So a lot of talk on radio throughout the day, a little college football live, and then wrapping up with you, man. Uh, Great weekend at the Schlitterbahn, but uh, I would say that most of our attention was what transpired Friday afternoon with essentially the Pac-12 doing what you and I thought was going to happen for a while now. But they're down to four, and it feels like they are hanging on by a thread. But the Pac-12 that we've always known, it is gone. And the new Big 12, this expanded Big 10, it is here. And man, I can't wait for 2024 to see what it looks like.
0: Friday was so crazy. And I know you were on the road and and, uh, getting ready for a long weekend with the family. But I don't know if you're aware of all of the conflicting reports that were coming out. I mean, it was literally like minute by minute. You had different reputable sources within college football. Talk like like Pete Thamel and Stuart Mandel and all these other people, right? Like all these different college football reporters, reporting the complete opposite stories minutes apart from each other, and it felt like it was that way all day Friday. It was wild.
1: It, I I was keeping up with it on my station on Sirius XM on College Sports Radio, and it went from. I mean, I listened to all this on my way to New Braunfels, and. It went from the Pac-12 was dead to it's resurrected. It's alive. Oregon and Washington don't like the deal. Seemed like the Big Ten tried to lowball them, which then put Arizona in a peculiar spot, and it sounded like everybody was going to agree to the deal, only to find out the Big Ten, Tony Petiti, came back to the table and said, oh, you know what? We actually have a better deal for you, Oregon and Washington. They said, we happily accept. And then Arizona arizona state utah soon to follow so it was a roller coaster of emotions to say the least and i gotta tell you like i actually found myself rooting for the pac 12 to make it like and and i'm happy for the big 12 and like to me that's was so fascinating about this topic there's just such a wide range of emotions like i like football traditions i i like rivalries. i like things that I'm accustomed to as we all do and the Pac-12 was part of that Though it may be on the west side of the country and the interest isn't what it is here where we live or in other parts still a major part of college football in the fabric of it and I was sad honestly just like watching it die and then the fact that you find out oh no maybe maybe there is life in the Pac-12 maybe History tradition actually means something. That's what they were telling you, and it was like, okay, I get behind this a little bit, and then all of a sudden, what we know is true rules the day, and it's all about the mighty dollar. I'm not upset with it because I understand the landscape of where we are, uh, and I, and I there's a lot that excites me. I'm fired up for the Big Twelve. I'm fired up for this new league. I'm fired up for what the future looks like. But I'd be lying if I didn't say that there was a part of me that was sad on Friday, just knowing that a conference has been around for over a hundred years now today, no longer exists.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's uh it's a sad thing in terms of the tradition of college football. Unfortunately, like I, I wasn't necessarily sad because I feel like we've seen this coming for a year. Right. I mean, There was so much time to see the writing on the wall and for them to, in some way, do what the Big 12 did. And that's find a path forward. And unfortunately for all the institutions under that umbrella, the leadership completely failed to find a path forward. And I thought it was really interesting. One of my points on Friday, when you saw the reports of like Oregon State and Washington State, and then even today where Cal – is putting out these statements that say they're disappointed in all all the other members. Like, how about be disappointed in the leadership who essentially didn't give any of those other schools a great option, right? Like, maybe give them something that at least makes them pause long enough to realistically consider the situation. And look, if you believe some of the reports on Friday, a lot of them did pause to at least consider staying in the Pac-12 for a very bad deal. That's how much they wanted to stay together. If you were able to come up with something even slightly better, I I think that maybe this thing stays together. So what were those schools supposed to do? Just take a bad deal and risk uh, long-term stability for the sake of, of staying in the conference under bad leadership? And I think the other part is, who's to say that things don't get even worse under this leadership if you accept the deal, right?
1: I agree with all counts. I don't. I think every school made the choice that they had to make, and I, I totally agree with you. But like, I I do feel for Oregon State, Washington State, Stanford, Cal. Like, I mean, no I doubt. Feel for them. Um, that sucks. They it was it was a game of musical chairs, and they're you know they they lost their seat, right? They're out, and so I, I can appreciate that aspect of it. I also think about. Those play like. Can you imagine being a player on on, on Stanford or Washington State football team, or to say a ten win season last year? Brutal. The, Jonathan Smith's trying to focus on getting this team ready, and essentially the college football world saying you're not good enough for anybody. Like that's got to be an odd dynamic. Yeah. That those programs are trying to work through, which is another part that I hate about all this is the timing. Like in the future, can we not do it right here on the on the? doorstep of college football, please. Like, February, February's a good month. Post-Super Bowl, let's just get this out there and get it figured out. But but everything, everything you said, you're right. All those schools did what they had to do. If you're a president, if you're an athletic director, your job, you are charged with making sure that your athletic department, that your institution is on stable footing and there is a pathway to future success. I mean, that is your job. And if that's not what you're looking out for, somebody else needs to be in that seat. So those schools did what they should have done. And I totally agree. I I, I do blame George Kleyopkov. Like I, I understand Larry Scott, if we're making a pie chart, maybe i give him a bigger piece of the pie. He screwed this thing up a long time ago. But George Kleopkoff, at least for now, maybe this was all bound to happen at some point. But I go back to the deal that was on the table a year ago, prior to the Big 12 eking their deal with Fox and ESPN. And there was almost an exact deal on the table that they could have taken. And not understanding your value, not understanding that if you take your product to market, there is no market, there is no better deal, his inability to recognize that cost his least. And then on top of that, his unwillingness to be honest with those schools And let them know, yeah, I have a great deal. Like, him continuing to lie and lie. Oh, just two weeks. Wait till you see what's coming in two weeks. Two weeks gets here. Oh, more people keep showing up. The deal's getting better. And then eventually, it got to a place where it was like, show us the dang deal. And when he did, he had been bluffing and lying the whole time. Because there was no good deal. There was no better deal. You and I talked about a lot. He kept acting like, oh, it's amazing. With time, this thing keeps getting better, and it didn't. And the reality is, George Kleopkoff, ineffectiveness as a leader to assess his leagues and his university's value out there, and then the unwillingness to be honest with those schools and being transparent what was really out there ultimately killed this thing last Friday and, I don't know what the Pac Four becomes. Do they merge with the Mountain West? Do they try to grab a few? Do they grab Cuban American? I'm pretty convinced that George Kleopkoff will not be the commissioner leading whatever that iteration of this previously the league previously known as the Pac twelve. I don't think he's the man that's gonna be leading them forward.
0: I almost think you like have to hit the reset button and almost rebrand, right? Can you even call it the Pac Twelve? Like I I think given what that brand represents right now i mean it's it kind of feels like it's a pile of rubble and burning ash uh i don't, I don't know that that necessarily sets you up to be viewed in a very positive way
1: no you're you're right i i don't either here's the only thing that i think they're going to try to hold on to Though you and i talked about this last week i think they're going to try to hold on to hey we're still a power five hey we still have that brand i'm going to tell you right now that's not a power five there's a group of five leagues. Whatever that future league is, I'm not here to to uh, kick a, kick four schools while they're down because they're down. But the college football playoff in 2024, we've got to rewrite the AQs. There's not six automatic qualifiers. That's right. If they want to keep it, if they want to put it five, five. Give them an opportunity. But I'm not so sure the American isn't right there with this whatever this new pack is. And again, if they start to poach, not in West schools, a Boise State, a Colorado State, a San Diego State, they try to poach a Tulane, an SMU. Now all of a sudden, those conferences have no relevance. Even more so, it only makes the most sense to either go back to four automatic qualifiers or five at the max. So there's a lot that's going to have to be reevaluated. But if they do try to hold on to that brand, and I agree with you, I don't know if that's sound logic, I think that would be the reasoning that they feel that they can just kind of you know, work their way in under that previous Pac-12 umbrella and still potentially have a guaranteed seat at the table in the new college football playoff era.
0: Along with Dusty Dvorak, I'm Colby Daniels, and Jeremy Poplin here on the show. You're listening to The Blitz and streaming on The Blitz 1170 app. Now that it is official and the four corners are under the Big 12 umbrella, it's now a 16-team league what do you think? I know we've talked about this, but but now that it's actually a real thing, I mean, do you feel yeah. like this thing has lived up to what you thought it was going to be or what you thought
1: you were going to feel about it? Absolutely. And, and and this is why I say it's such a fascinating topic, because as I can say, it's sad for those schools. And boy, there's jubilation right now in the Big Twelve, and there should be. Like I think about Brett right, Yormark. I didn't even think about Bob Bowlesby. I think about the eight schools that stayed together, that stayed unified, Colby. When everybody told them, you're done. Your fate is what the Pac-12 dealt with Friday. That's what's going to happen to you, eight schools. You better find a landing spot or you better make a deal because you're not going to exist much longer. And you know what they did? They stayed together, man. They stayed together. And Bob Bowlesby helped usher in four new schools, the three American schools in BYU, And then he handed that torch to Brett Yormark. And Brett Yormark took that torch and he took off sprinting with a plan, with a vision, with aggression, and essentially saying, I will not be stopped. I will run through that wall. I will do whatever it takes to not just allow this conference to survive, but to thrive. And to think about the last two years in Oklahoma Texas made that announcement to the thoughts we had about the Big 12 and its days were numbered to now it's a legitimate 16-team league that's going to pay out real quality money to all of its members, I think it's awesome. And I think that the eight schools that stuck close together, Brett Yormark, the Big 12 office, they all deserve a big round of applause and standing ovation because they did what most people said was not going to be possible. And how do you figure out scheduling? I mean, you're stretching from... Uh, you know, Provo and Salt Lake City, Utah, to Morgantown, West Virginia, and Orlando, Florida. I mean, you are spreading it all around. From a scheduling aspect, I don't know exactly how it works. I think it's going to be crazy competitive. I think that from a, from a stability standpoint, they're number three. I'd still put the ACC ahead because you've got Florida State-Clemson that have one national championships three between the two schools in this college football playoff era. But I think it's a more competitive league, top to bottom. I think it's going to be an unbelievably compelling league. And I can't wait to see what it looks like. So I I just think it's an awesome day for the Big 12. And just two years ago, we were counting the days. Now, I think the real question is, is there going to be a legit Big 3? And the ACC, maybe not that third conference outside of the SEC and Big 10, but is that the Big 12? That's the conversation now surrounding this league. I just think it's
0: awesome. It's crazy how maybe the rivalry is going to shift from the Big 12 versus the Pac-12 to the Big 12 versus the ACC and everything they're dealing with because we talked about it last week. Florida State essentially gave them an or else type scenario. Like, you need to figure something out or else we're going to look to to buy out of our situation and, and make a move. And in the news this afternoon, where apparently the ACC is uh, in discussions with potentially adding Cal and Stanford, which is is mind blowing, right? And and part of this, I think, is being uh, g- given the green light by some of the schools in the ACC because this potentially, if you add two new members, gives you the opportunity to uh, break the grant of rights, correct? So, uh, correct. What, what a what a wild turn of events in the ACC as well.
1: It is and. That's why I did not think that Jim Phillips to the ACC, I didn't think he'd allow actual expansion because of what you just said. Because of understanding by expanding, you may, you may stretch your footprint, but you might also cut off the head of the snake. Right? I mean, you might cut off your two biggest and best brands in the entire league. And if you don't have those two schools, I'm not saying you don't have anything, but you've hurt your overall value tremendously.
0: A ton, yeah. So I,
1: I, I, I would not make that trade at any stretch. Like if I'm the ATC, I'm trying to find a way to create new revenues. I'm trying to, I'm, I'm doing all, doing the dance. But one thing that I am not necessarily entertaining is opening the door for an exit from potentially some of my biggest invest brands as a conference. Like the one thing you have is that grant of rights locking everyone in for the next thirteen years? So, I think Jim Phillips is a smart guy. I think he's. I think he inherited a situation from the former commissioner John Swofford. He's trying to navigate. I just personally believe that would be a gigantic misstep if they welcomed in those new schools.
0: If Florida State and Clemson either buy their way out of the ACC, or because Stanford and Cal are added, and there's there's somewhat of a, a way to exit. That highway, I, I, there was a lot of conversation and debate about this on Friday um, throughout sports talk media and Twitter and everywhere else. But is there a home for those two schools? Because I believe somebody's going to give them an opportunity, whether it's the Big Ten or the SEC. But with all the movement, I, I see a lot of people arguing the opposite. And I just don't see where uh, those two schools, if they get out of the ACC, aren't going to have opportunities.
1: Adam Rittenberg, we, we had him on this morning on our show, and we talked about this. He actually threw the Big 12 in there. as potential landing spot. How about that? Yeah, I could totally see um, it. So, like, I, again, if they expand or they could get out, I don't think that's option one. Option one is SEC or Big 10. Uh, what I don't know, it's a guessing. I, I just have to believe Sankey recognizes that brand the power of Clemson, the power of Florida State. Those are real big-time brands in college football. I'd say top 15 both at worst, if not right there on the, the edge of top 10 brands. So I think that two-part. A, you can continue to bolster your stranglehold on the sport, which that would do. I mean, think about the national championship they have. The ones they don't is Ohio State, Florida State, Clemson. <laughs> you would then grab three, From the college football playoff area, that's it. It's SEC. Ohio State got the first one. Clemson has two. Florida State has one. Like, but I guess they 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 won before got to the playoff. But like, you would capture the other dominant programs in the sport, and if you don't, I think the Big Ten would. And that's where I think the Big Ten, like, if you want to know what the best case scenario for Florida State and Clemson is, would be a the ACC to expand, open that door. But then also, along with that, if the Big Ten was interested, and to me, the Big Ten should be, since 2002, they won one national championship, okay, as a conference. Those two schools have won three. So you would really elevate your brand, your championships, if you welcome them in, and then maybe you would start to rival the SEC. And I think that would also make right. those two schools more appealing to Sankey and to the SEC if they were sought after and if they were wanted. Bingo. So I, I, I think that's the that's the best case scenario for those two schools. And ultimately, I think they would settle in the SEC. But what they want, I think what they need, is they need interest in the Big Ten. Because if they don't get interest in the Big Ten, I don't know if that makes Greg Sankey feel that he has to move right. and has to make a run at it. Totally agree.
0: When people say the SEC doesn't need Florida State and Clemson, I don't dispute that. But this is also about power within the sport and you don't want to yep. start to lose your leverage by the big 10, adding two more giant brands on top of everything else they've added. I, I think just in terms of keeping the big 12 from adding them, the sec would want them. So yeah. Yep. Uh, what a, what a wild, wild couple weeks it's been, and it's certainly not over. And, and maybe within the next couple days, we have even more, uh, college football landscape shattering news. Dusty, always good to catch up, man. Glad you had a great weekend with the fam, and we'll do it again on Wednesday.
1: Who knows what could happen between now and then? So look forward to talking to you, buddy. That's right.
0: That is Dusty Dvorak. I am Colby Daniels, along with Jeremy Poplin, and you're listening to The Blitz and streaming on the Blitz 1170 app.
1: This Blitz podcast is brought to you by Bravado Wireless, available online at bravadowireless.com. Thank you for listening to this exclusive Blitz 1170 podcast from Bravado Wireless.